All right, blessings to all of you, all of my friends, my brothers and sisters, all of you, some of you near, some of you far away, some of you other parts of the country, some of you other parts of the world, some of you joining us for the very first time. And if you are, I'm so thankful you are with us. And my prayer right now is that the grace of God would be upon you and upon this moment that you would experience his love. Some of you may not know me. I'm Pastor Terry. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. And um, I'm really thankful we get to have this time together. You know, our series, we started it last week. It's called Abide. It has to do with the idea of cultivating the inner life. But really, it's about how to deepen our relationship with Jesus. I mean, those two things that we're called into, the nurturing of our heart and increasing a life of following Jesus that has roots, that is sustainable, that can both flourish and remain. I think that's God's will for all of us. I know that's what the Lord wants for you and me. I do. Abiding in so many ways is an invitation that we've been given to just integrate into the everydayness of our life. It's meant to be something that fills all the days of our lives. The, the seasons, the good seasons, the, the bad seasons, the, the times when we're doing really well and times when things are really hard. Seasons that fill us with joy and then, yeah, even the seasons that fill us with sadness. All of it. We're invited to abide with Jesus through all the seasons of our life. It's a great promise, a great invitation that he makes. Abiding in Christ then really is about continual renewal and continual surrender. It's always about new beginnings and being refreshed in the way. <laughs> it's something that, if I can put it this way, it's more of an, ev well, no, it's m less of an event and more of a life. You really look at it that way. It's something that we are to apply ourselves to, as Jesus taught us, on a daily basis. The Christian life, the abiding life, is a daily life. That's when it works best. Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Right? It, <laughs> I remember reading something that Elizabeth Elliot wrote. She was talking about how following Jesus is really a lifetime thing as much as it is a daily thing. She says, one does not surrender a life in an instant. That which is lifelong can only be surrendered in a lifetime. And it doesn't mean there isn't a moment to surrender to the Lord. It just means that following him becomes a life of surrender. See what I'm saying? The way of Jesus, put another way, it's not a sprint. Though there are going to be seasons of, if I can call it, unique intensity, where we are going to have to run hard. And those times will happen. But for the most part, following Jesus, the abiding life is more of a long haul run that requires pacing and patience. Those who do it well have learned the art of patience and pacing. And sometimes that patience needs to just be with our own selves because sometimes we're our own worst enemies. I think some of us are aware of that. Sometimes we may find ourselves blaming other people and sometimes situations may feel like, well, it's all conspired against us. But a lot of times 
our real struggle is when we realize, you know, I really don't have anybody to blame here but myself. And sometimes that's the invitation of Jesus to just start afresh with each new day and to be patient with ourselves, to be patient with the process, but to be patient with ourselves because we don't always get it right. And that's where grace comes in. And that's where the Lord wants to help us, right? Ah, thankful for that. I remember reading in Brennan Manning's classic book called The Ragamuffin Gospel, which is a really unique name. <laughs> if you think that's unique, the title, The Ragamuffin Gospel, the subtitle was Good News for the Bedraggled, Beat Up, and Burnt Out. <laughs> How's that for a subtitle? Good News for the Bedraggled, the Beat Up, and the Burnt Out. Whew. Life can do that to us. It can wear us down, beat us up, and yeah, burn us out. Maybe some of us are struggling with that right now. It's been a tough stretch, no question about it. It's been hard. Well, these past two years or so have made it... Um, really difficult on some of us and the Lord knows that. But Manning in his encouraging book, good news for the bedraggled, the beat up and the burnt out. He shared this really wonderful insight concerning part of what it means to abide and follow Christ. And so I, I want you to think about this. I want you to look at this with me. He says, he writes, what makes authentic disciples is not visions, ecstasies, biblical mastery of chapter and verse. I mean, it's good or spectacular success in the ministry. No, he says what makes authentic disciples is a capacity for faithfulness, a capacity for faithfulness. I mean, isn't that what Jesus modeled for us? Buffeted, he writes by the fickle winds of failure, battered by their own unruly emotions and bruised by rejection and ridicule. Authentic disciples may have stumbled and frequently fallen, endured lapses and yeah, and relapses. Some of us do gotten handcuffed the flesh pots and wandered off to into a far country. Yet they kept coming back to Jesus. There's that capacity that capacity for faithfulness, just keep coming back to Jesus. That, that's enough. That's enough. You know, keep that in mind as we return again to John 15 and the words that Jesus shared with his disciples when he was just on the edge of the cross. We've been sitting with this amazing chapter way back when we ended a couple of weeks back, the I Am series by looking at Jesus when he said, I am the vine the true vine. Last week, we talked about what it means to abide and how that is the key ingredient, the secret sauce of the Christian life. But let's look at these words again, again, remembering that when Jesus shared them, there was enormous spiritual pressure that he was carrying. He understood what he was about to walk into and it was going to be awful. He was going to bear the weight of the sin of the world and experienced for the first time in his life, separation from the father. And he also knew that all of his friends, those who had been closest to him, his committed followers, his disciples were ultimately going to, at least in the moment that he was heading into abandon him. One of them had already betrayed him, but let's look at verse eight says this, by this, Jesus said, 
my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove or demonstrate yourself to be my disciples, my committed followers. What is a disciple but a disciplined one? Again, a committed follower. This, this sharing took place, and this is good for us to remember. At the moment that these words were being shared, they were basically a small group. Now minus one. Judas was gone. He had, he had gone into the night and his heart had been turned. But as he looked into the eyes of his disciples in this tender moment, as they had shared the supper together and he was preparing soon to go to the garden of Gethsemane where he knew he would be arrested and then on the following day be crucified. He spoke these words. And as he gazed around the room and looked into their eyes, he loved them. The scripture says, having loved them, he loved them to the end. They had been his followers. Yes. His students, his devotees, his acolytes, but they had been more than that at a human level. They had been his friends. They had been his traveling companions and you know, they were together for basically three years, they walked together, talked together, hiked together. That's a very powerful bonding mechanism. They set up camp together. They ate together. They laughed together and they witnessed the incredible together. They had so many shared memories. And if you, if, if you haven't had a chance to check out the, the series, the chosen, go online and watch it. It's amazing. And I love the way that they captured this unique camaraderie that was shared by the disciples. It's really well done. But I think if I can put it this way, there is an often underestimated aspect of abiding that maybe needs to be noted that abiding in Christ is not just about us abiding in him. It's about us abiding in him with others. <laughs> it's, it's not only abide in Christ, but abide in Christ with others. It, it's not really intended to be a solo journey. Abiding is meant to also be a communal one and a communal one with others who are abiding in Christ as a way of life. I mean, that, that's a, it's, 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 by the way, that's one of the reasons why being part of a church community is so important. I mean, we really are following the example of Jesus and what he did and what he reminds us we are to do, uh, in the same way that he was connected to others. So should we traveling together, committing ourselves to following him together, abiding in Christ together is both a, it has a solo component to it, but it, it definitely has a communal component to it. It just works better because we're not always strong enough. We need one another. And that's the way the Lord set it up. Look, I was um, reading something that was written by a man named Michael Spencer. He was talking about mere churchianity. He said, finding your way back to Jesus shaped spirituality. And he said this, he said, Jesus shaped spirituality. Here's Jesus say, believe and repent. But the call that resonates most closely in the heart of a disciple is follow me. The command to follow requires that we take, here it is, a daily journey, but look, in the company of other students. It really hits it, doesn't it? 
a daily journey in the company of other students. It demands that we be lifelong learners and that we commit to constant growth in spiritual maturity. Discipleship then is a call to me, but look at this. It is a journey of we. I mean, that's just, that's so good. Discipleship is a call to me, but it's a journey of we. And I really want to emphasize this. Abide is about we. It's about us. For we together are part of the body of Christ. When we welcome him into our life, we become part of the larger body of Christ that extends all over the world and for all time. But we also are invited to become part of a people, a community, a fellowship. So yeah, it's Jesus and me, but it's also Jesus and we. And that's what makes what we're doing now matter even more. For Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three of you are gathered in my name, there I am among you. So although it's important to remember that abiding is about our personal relationship with Jesus and that we should take that very seriously, our inner life, our devotional life, um, it's also about sharing that life together. But, but even when I talk about um, the devotional life, because I don't, want to, I don't want us to miss that either. There's a weak component to this, and there's also a part of this that I need to own in my own heart and decisions I need to make about how seriously I'm going to follow Jesus. And when we are serious about following the Lord, we're always going to probe inward. We're usually going to get our eyes off of other people, and we're probably going to get our eyes off of the situations that are all around us, and we're going to really begin to look inside because so much of the battle is won and lost both in our mind and in our heart. And that's why having a, what we, what the church has historically called a devotional life is so important. And what do we mean by that? What do I mean by a devotional life? I think we're, we're going to talk about it, you know, it classically or traditionally when, when Christians are encouraged to have their devotional time, it means that they've been encouraged to have a time that they set apart to spend with Jesus. So there's the communal side and there's the, the part of us that needs to be in fellowship. If we're going to abide in Christ, we do this together, but there's also a part of this that is meant to be just us with Jesus, like the Lord and, and, and me spending time together. And that's where Bible reading comes in, you know, spending time in his word. That's where studying his word comes in the scriptures that are able to make us wise into salvation. That's where prayer comes in, just talking to God and sharing our heart with the Lord and praying for the things that mean the most to us and just thanking him with our hearts, adoring who he is, praying for other people that we love and care about, praying for ourselves so that we can be conformed into more of who he wants us to be, welcoming his presence into our lives, singing to him songs. Uh, might involve things like journaling, which I'm a big believer in just, there are seasons where I've really spent a lot of time writing my thoughts down and almost writing my prayers out. There are times where when we talk about devotions, a lot of what I like to do is incorporate a, what's known as a devotional. Some of you are aware of that, but I don't want to assume that everybody would be, especially if you're just starting to follow Jesus or you've only been doing it for a little bit of a time. You don't have much training on what it means to, to cultivate your inner life with Christ. One of the things that, I've 
come to love over the years is having a, in my devotional time, a devotional reading. I remember, um, when I just started out as a follower of Jesus, I was barely a teenager and all of a sudden all the things in the scriptures started coming alive to me. And I remember the first devotional I ever had was actually just a little paper one, not unlike this called our daily bread. We still give these out to anybody who wants to pick them up at church, but the daily bread, it, it had a, a verse to read and, and it had a passage and then it had a, a little commentary and a, a prayer or a little saying. And that little piece, uh, you know, uh, is became like a foundation for my devotions. And then I still recall how years later I had this book. This was the first real devotional I ever had. It was called day by day by Vance Havener. And, um, it, it made such a difference in my life as a young believer. I, I was able to get, gain so much wealth from it. Again, the, would usually have a passage of scripture, some commentary, a prayer or a quick thought. It's one of the reasons why I, I love sharing with all of you in rise and shine. I know it's just a little thing, you know, a minute and 35 or 40 seconds. In the morning, we usually try to give it uh, a Bible verse connected to it and a little summary statement. It's just a vitamin really for your soul, but it's also a way for us to stay connected. So it's one of those unique things, right? It's both a we and a me thing with Jesus, but because of technology, it's a way of extending our connectivity. But I, you know, so devotionals are a great tool for abiding in Christ. And I've never regretted uh, having that as a foundation piece in my life with him. And, and I think I, I would be missing uh, remiss if I didn't share how much of a difference having a consistent time with Jesus has made for me, not just as a, a pastor, but really as a follower of Jesus, because I'm just a companion with you as well. Uh, before I ever, <laughs> ever went into ministry, in the way, in a capacity of leadership, as I, I've been doing now for a number of decades, uh, I just, I started as a follower of Jesus and I'm never going to stop being that at my core. It's the first calling, right? And, uh, yeah. So what I'm saying is this, there's a personal side to abiding in Christ, cultivating our heart, but there's a communal side and those two things go together. So what do I mean? Cause when I talk about the personal side, you know, I'm, I'm also talking about things like listening to a good Bible based teaching. I'm talking about nowadays we've got podcasts we can listen to. We can fill our hearts with worship. It's so easy to do that. We can go online and go to our cornerstone website and get the, all the music that we're doing. There's just so much great stuff out there. Um, and I'm, and I would include in that reading good biblically aligned books, right? There's a ton of those too. All of those things have to do with building ourselves at a personal level with Jesus, abiding with him as a, as a man or a woman who's deeply committed to the growing life. But there, but like I said, but there's also the other side, which has to do with this idea of community. And, you know, that's why I'm a big believer in small groups, because one, for one thing, Jesus started us, started us by giving us an example with his own disciples of, of a small group, right? That's how we train the church. That's how the church begins. It's with a small group. So small groups are very much aligned with the pattern of Jesus. And if you're not a part of a small group or a, a ministry group where serving together, you're sharing life together in Jesus. I mean, those are things that I really want to encourage you to consider doing. 
And um, of course, that along with faithful, consistent uh, attendance in the Lord's house, the one in seven that I always talk about as we worship him together with others. I mean, Jesus, again, he had a small group and there were people who were obviously following him. He had, a, he had a, a larger group that was connected to him, if you read the Gospels. But he had this core small group. And then he also had the practice of going to synagogue. He went to church. I mean, if Jesus went to church, it says that it, in Luke's Gospel, it says, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue. So he sets an example for us. I mean, this is a, to me, this is an absolute critical piece of abiding, is consistent coming on a weekly basis to worship Jesus in community with others in a larger expression. Really important. We have small group, ministry group. We have, we have personal, our personal walk with Jesus on a daily basis. And we have a communal gathering of others coming together to express ourselves in uh, worship and to listen for his words as a larger people gathering. So abiding in Christ, as I mentioned, it has Two practical sides, a communal side and a personal side. And speaking of the personal, Jesus says this. Go, let's go back to the passage. Just stick with me here. Verse 9, as the Father, he said, has loved me, so I loved you. Look at this. Abide in my love. Do you see this loved one? That love is the air that we breathe. Uh, if you think about it, we are chosen for love. You were chosen for love. Jesus says, abide in my love, abide in my love, live in my love, stay in my love, be in my love. And then verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. In other words, don't say you love me and not do what I say. And we won't even know what he's saying if we don't study his words. So, right. Or hear them. But, the, but what Jesus is really saying is the way you abide in my love is by keeping my commands. And the way you can keep my commands is by abiding in my love. Do you see that? The way that you abide in my love is by keeping my commands. And the way that you keep my commands is by abiding in my love. So if you really love me and want to abide in my love, then live by my words. It's really as simple as that. Notice, uh, Jesus is saying that when it comes to abide, and that's what we're talking about here when it comes to abide and how to do it. Obedience, yes, but not, not loveless duty or rote religious compliance. That's not what he's looking for. He doesn't want our obligation. He wants our heart. He doesn't want my obligation. He, he wants my heart. Think about it this way. Loyalty without love is seldom happy, happy. And it's usually mean spirited loyalty without love is seldom happy and usually mean spirited. I just think about the older prodigal brother, right? Prodigal's older brother. He should have been happier in the parable of the prodigal son. But if I can also say it this way, but love without loyalty for all its words is just an empty cloud no different than a betrayer's kiss. So <laughs> the Lord wants us to have a, a, a love for him that is loyal because loyalty without love is seldom happy, but lo love without loyalty is an empty cloud. I think it was John Eldridge 
in his book, The Journey of Desire, who said, <laughs> he said, you know, he's talking about disconnected love, how we are doing our duty, but we're not giving our heart. He said, it's like an, on our anniversary, and he was talking to men, we show up with a bouquet of flowers. Our wife is delighted. <sighs> but then we say, oh, think nothing of it, my dear. It is just my obligation. <laughs> so it's like, no, you just ruined it. You just ruined it. We wouldn't do that, right? We shouldn't do that with the Lord either. He, he wants more than just obedience that is, comes from fear or a sense of obligation. He wants our heart. He, he even says, you know, keep your tithes and your offerings. If, you, if, if you're not going to give me your heart, I don't, I, I don't want them. Wow. Right. As John Piper said, uh, dutiful roses are a contradiction in terms. <laughs> dutiful roses are a contradiction in terms. But look what Jesus adds. Jesus says, but just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So he tells us to do this, to keep his commands and abide in his love. And he says, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. In other words, I've shown you the way to abide. I've modeled it for you. I've given you an example to follow. <laughs> I think it was Albert Schweitzer who said, there are only three ways to teach a child. Only three ways to teach a child. This is good for some of us. The first is by example. The second is by example. And the third is by example. In other words, it's the way we live it out. It's the example. It makes all the difference, doesn't it? <laughs> Jesus gave us an example. And then lastly, Jesus adds, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Oh, I love that verse. It's so good. It's helpful. I think to remember that our Lord, when he was among us in his earthly ministry was a joyful man. He was a happy man. He was not known as being dour or stern when they criticized him. It was, it, uh, it wasn't for being distant, removed, unapproachable. Maybe we've had authority figures in our life who've been like that. And when, <laughs> and when he gave hard words, they were, how can I say it? They were rarely given harshly. I mean, there were times where he hit the Pharisees and scribes pretty hard, but for the most part, the hard words of Jesus were given softly and in love. In Matthew 11, 18, 19, uh, Jesus makes an observation about how some people described him. He said, for John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say he has a demon. He says, I, the son of man came eating and drinking. That is, I was a full participant in life. And they say, look at him a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And that was not meant to be a compliment. That was meant to suggest with all their other exaggerated accusations that he was essentially morally deficient, that he was not being a true holy man. But again, though they accused him of such things, they could never accuse him of being unhappy or joyless. Because when he walked around, he just, he walked around with blessings on his lips. He was a man of blessing. He proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom, the good news, not the bad news, the good news. We are a good news people in a bad news world. Come on. That's the example he gave us a good news people with a good news message. 
Yeah, in a bad news world, it's the good news. I was reminded of one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite books from one of my favorite authors. Yeah, you heard that right, Dallas Willard. In The Divine Conspiracy, he says, one of the most outstanding features of Jesus's personality was precisely an abundance of joy. This he left as an inheritance to his students, you and me, that their joy might be full. And they did not say, pass the aspirin, for he was well known to those around him as a happy man. And then, and this is deeply it is deeply illuminating of kingdom living to understand that his steady happiness was not ruled out by experience of sorrow and even grief. His steady happiness was not ruled out by experience or sorrow or even grief. Do we hear that? Wow. When we abide in Jesus, we too will be characterized by the same steady happiness and capacity to keep it even in the midst of sorrow and grief. I'm so thankful that we've been given the invitation to abide with him. And he's shown us how to do it. He gave us an example. So let's keep that in mind. I've got another thing to share about Abide. Um, but before we do that, we're going to go to a song. It's called Infinite Worth. And I'm really looking forward to us being able to just appreciate what it means to be close to Jesus. But I do get to remind all of you, my, my friends and brothers and sisters, it's the time that I get to do it about our giving. Don't forget, you've been so faithful. Keep it up in your tithes and your offerings to honor Jesus with the one in 10 to really give him your best. Remember, you can send that in. You can go directly online and give it that way, or you can go through the app, which is what I do. But like I always say, let's first begin by giving him our heart joyfully abiding in Christ. With that in mind, here we go. shrouded in mystery but closer than I can see lost in your beauty and your love you never changed but you've changed me you have no needs but you want me Everything in you is enough. Love's the soil by which our nature grows. Jesus, come and fill our hungry souls. between 
the cherubim yet in my heart you have come in cleansed but not consumed by your fire you are life and yet you died that I might live as I abide now you're I have spoken to you, Jesus said, that your joy may be full, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. Wow. <laughs> Abide is about living the joy-filled life. It's as if Jesus is saying, you have been called to a feast, not a funeral. You've been called to life, not death. The cross is not the final word, the empty tomb is. Let us say with genuine conviction that Jesus wants to fill us with his joy, his unquenchable joy, life overflowing. Abide, he would say, abide with me, abide in my love. Oh, you are so deeply loved. <laughs> and may our Lord keep you in every way close to him, in your spirit, in your body, in your soul, and in your mind, in Jesus' name.